Well, welcome to WordServe. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Pastor Bill. There, we just met. Awesome. But I would love to know more. We are starting, actually, we're continuing a sermon series called Comfort and Joy. And we, we say comfort and joy because of God rest you merry gentlemen, right? You can't say joy and comfort. That's just not right. Oh, tidings of joy oh, oh, and comfort doesn't have the same ring as comfort and joy. So we're doing comfort and joy. This is where we have been and where we're going. Last, It's all about less is more when it comes to joy in the kingdom of heaven. And we're going to find out how through the series. Last week we talked about childless. This week we're talking about husbandless. Then it's going to be worthless. And Jesus, of course, on Christmas Eve is selfless. That's the way it goes. So let's get on with today's husbandless adventure. Now, this is going to be an odd transition because this is the transition. This has nothing to do with being husbandless. <laughs> but here's the, here's the interesting thing, the, the, this lottery. I want to tell you this story. I don't know if you play the lottery or not. And, and before I go on, let me just give you this caveat. I don't recommend that you play the lottery. But here it is. In 2015, the Florida lottery was worth $1 million. And they sold the winning ticket. The winning ticket was published. It was advertised. Hey, somebody won the $1 million in 2015. That was probably like a gazillion dollars, right? But 2015, $1 million winning ticket. Now, the rules say they have to advertise that. They have to put it out in publicity and media for 180 days. That's a long time, y'all. Do you think anybody came and claimed that prize? No. Nobody come, came forward and claimed the prize. You won a $1 million dollars. You had 180 days, and it wasn't for lack of publicity. It was all over the news. They reached in every way that they could to try and let someone know, you've got that winning ticket. And nobody came forward. Can you imagine on day 181, if you pulled out your ticket, whoa, oh, bummer, <laughs> right? <laughs> that would be my luck, right? Now, the good news in that is I think it went to a worthy cause, or, or maybe it went back into the pot. I don't know, but the point is somebody had a million dollars waiting for them and never came forward to claim it. And I wonder sometimes if we don't treat our relationship with God like the lottery. Because you, you think about your prayer life for just a second. You, you throw your prayer out there, and yeah, maybe 50-50 shot, you win. You get your prayer answered, Right? So like if you scratch off the right words in your prayer, you, you get the result that you're after. You win the lottery. Or maybe you look at somebody else who has a, a better faith life than you do. They, everything seems to be going right for them. Why can't it go right for me? It's like they win the lottery. I don't. God is so temperamental, right? I just don't get how this works. But we are going to get how this works because there are certain principles at work when it comes to God. God does not play the lottery, and we don't have to play the lottery with God. That's the good news of this morning. But there are certain principles in how we approach God. There are certain principles in how we, quote, claim the prize that God offers. And for you engineers out there, there's a formula. Yes, a formula. I know you're going to love this one. So stay tuned. By the end of the day, we're going to know how to claim the prize from God. We're going to have a formula to do it, and we're going to have action steps that you can take to make this happen in your life. And it's going to be amazing. I guarantee it. So to get us started, if you are one of those people that wonders, where is God? Why isn't he working in my life? Why can't I get what I'm asking for? You're in the right place this morning. And this woman shares in common with this woman in a twisted kind of way. Who is this woman? Eve. Eve. That's a good guess, but not in this case. 
Mary, of course, it's Christmas. It's got to be Mary, right? Is, is husbandless? Oh, come on. Right. Anyway. All right, so this is Mary. <laughs> and, the, and the setting today is Mary is minding her own business. She is betrothed, which means she's engaged to be married, but she is not yet married. She is husbandless. Now, she is visited by an, an angel. In this case, it is Gabriel. If you remember back to last week, Gabriel is the same angel that visited Zechariah. So this is the same angel, but we're going to get two different responses in how this hall goes down. So Mary, minding her own business, is visited by the angel Gabriel. And this is what we have to say. I'm going to ask my uh, outstanding tech crew to run the uh, words because I can't click and read at the same time. It never ends well. All right, so we're in the Luke I'm starting in chapter 1, verse 28. This is the angel coming to Mary. He said, he went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word of God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. These are the words of God for the people of God, and for these words we are grateful. One angel Two responses. Gabriel is the same guy that six months prior just went to Zechariah, the priest, who was in the Holy of Holies offering the prayer of incense, which lifts the prayers into the presence of God. Gabriel makes this fantastic announcement. I know you've been childless for decades, but you're going to have a son. He is going to prepare the way for the Lord. He's going to be great among the nation of Israel. And this priest's educated response was, how can I be sure of this? Wah, wah. There's, the, there's the downer for the day, right? And then you've got this young girl. And, and, and young girl, she's not a priest. She's not in the Holy of Holies. She doesn't have the history that Zechariah has. Her question is not one of doubt. Hers is one of logistics. How, how does that work? I don't have a husband. Gabriel assures her that this is going to be good. And her response, let me read this one more time. Her response isn't, how can I be sure of this? Her response is, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your word. So that's a vast difference in response. See, I think God knew what he was doing when he chose Mary to be a mother of Jesus. He can look inside the heart and see what is there and what is not. So there's a, an interesting thing that happens here with how we respond to what God asks of us. And, and that's where we kind of pick this up. I think part of our problem when it comes to, to comfort and joy in, in our relationship with God is that we are confused about this word comfort. See, we confuse comfort versus comfortable. Now think back to your own prayer life. 
And, that, and I'm not asking, I'm not judging, I'm just asking you to analyze with an objective mind for just a second, what are your prayer requests? And if you boil it down to the root cause of most of our prayer requests are about being comfortable. God, please take away this pain, I'm uncomfortable. God, please give me a job, I'm uncomfortable. God, please make this relationship work, it's uncomfortable. I don't know that God calls us to be comfortable all the time. Yeah, I'm not saying that you can't be comfortable and be a good follower of Jesus. But I'm saying don't make that our number one thing. My number one goal is not to be comfortable. My number one goal is to find comfort in God. There's a big difference. Because if I avoid everything that makes me uncomfortable, I may be avoiding the very thing that God has called me to do. We're going to walk through this with a couple of characters here. And, and, And by the way, you're one of those characters. So I'll be asking you to reflect on this. Now, if you look at Mary, there was nothing comfortable about what had happened. She receives this new day. We can read this story and say, look, it may it be to me according to your word. That sounds, well, that's great. Well, she's the mother of Jesus, and life is just roses. No, do you understand that she was not yet married, and under that law of that day, she could be stoned to death. She could be uh, thrown out. She could be destitute and homeless. And she says, may it be to me according to your word. Seriously, does she not know what she's up against? And maybe there, there are arguments that, oh, she was naive. She doesn't know what she's doing. I think she does know what she's doing. But she also knows that God is bigger than the circumstances. And God will provide. Joseph, for his part, the, the, Mary's betrothed, he could have said, you know what, deal's off. I don't want this. He could have turned her out. He could have gone, you know, let me try this over again. I don't want anything to do with you. But he's visited by an angel, too. That would probably change my mind. He's visited by an angel saying, no, this is of God. This is something that you need to go through. Was it comfortable for him? Absolutely not. But it was of comfort to the nation of Israel because a Savior was going to be born. And by the way, the same comfort that we find today is because these people said yes to God's purpose. Not to comfortable, but to comfort. There's a big, big difference. The other thing that is interesting in this passage to me is this phrase for, this is the the angel Gabriel speaking, for no word from God will ever fail. Have you ever felt like God has let you down? Have you ever felt like God hasn't answered that prayer? And who knows why? Maybe he's spiteful. Maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he's too busy. Maybe it was a dumb request. I don't know, but he let me down. Really? Well, let's take a look at this. This idea of word. Because the word is interesting in this particular context. Because in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Who are we talking about? Jesus. There's another softball across the plate. You're welcome. All right. Now, here's the other thing, though. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The cosmic, the uncontainable became contained in the form of a baby. And not just any baby. A baby born to a poor family. A baby born to poverty in times of unrest and occupation. Uh, it's hard. It's, honestly, it's hard for me to relate to this because I, I don't live in an occupied country. I'm not persecuted for my beliefs. It's pretty easy to believe what I believe today. That may not always be true, by the way, but today it is. So it's hard for me to relate exactly how uncomfortable this was. There were death threats against this baby. They had to flee. Herod wanted to find him and end it. They left to a foreign country. They lived there for a while. 
Oh, and by the way, when he grew up and he finally started getting famous, there were people who wanted to kill him. And by the way, they were successful in doing so. And not just getting rid of him, but getting rid of him in the most painful, torturous way possible. That's for Easter. We'll leave that. But know that there was nothing comfortable about the comfort that the Savior provides. And that's where we get confused. But this word, this word goes on forever and ever. The word was in the beginning. The word will be when nothing else stands. The word will be. That's comforting to me. That's something I can put my trust in. That's something I can stand on. Even though I don't see it, even though I don't understand it completely, I know that this is true for a variety of reasons that we can talk about. But let's leave it there for now. So this idea of word is a powerful one because in the beginning, what did the word do? The word spoke creation into being. Look at Genesis chapter 1. Go back to the very beginning. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God said, separate the land and the ocean. God said, let there be animals. God said, let there be fish. God said, let there be, and there was. So the interesting thing about this is God's word creates. God's word creates everything. But here's the interesting thing, and the first time I heard this was from a seminary professor. It kind of blew my mind. It's like, yes, God spoke, but the earth responded. Whoa. I never thought about that. Yeah, God spoke, let there be light. Well, and then there was a response. There was light. Let there be plants. And the earth responded. There was plants. You see, there's a God asking, and there's something that is responding. And I think that's the part that we forget sometimes. There's a response in there. All right, so as promised, here's your formula, engineers. <laughs> this is the, the formula that uh, it unlocks what God can do. There's the word plus a response, and there's a result. Pretty simple. Or is it? Actually, it's not. Because we have mutated the formula. Here's, how, here's what we've done to the formula. See if you can pick it up. It's our word plus God's response. It gives me the result of answered prayer. Isn't that right? See, you're not going to bite on that one because you're like, yeah, he's up to something. I know, I know. This is not the softball across the plate. This is the curveball. So here's the thing. This is my prayer life. God, please give me. This is my word. I'm waiting for God's response. And when God responds the way that I asked, I call that answered prayer. And you know what? If God doesn't do what I ask him to do, you know what I call that? Unanswered prayer. I think longtime word servers have heard me talk about this for a long time. God answers every prayer. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is not yet. Sometimes the answer is you're not ready yet, but someday. Sometimes the answer is yes. I find that often when the answer is yes to my prayer, it's because I'm asking for something in accordance with God's will. See, it's not my word and God's response that, it, that unlocks all the blessings of God. Here's the, here's the corrected formula. It's God's word plus our response. And that lets his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Who said that? 
there's the softball. Okay, here's another softball coming across the plate. That was Jesus. Now, let me ask you, if you had a choice uh, in the lifetime that you live here on earth, that Bill's will will be done or God's will would be done, which one would you choose? Thank goodness. Yeah, <laughs> Bill's will is not good. It's not good for us all. It might be good for me, but not good for you. God's will, though. God's will is what builds the kingdom. Now, is God's will and what he asks of us, is God's word always easy? I will tell you what, with the trips around the sun that I have had, I have found that the hard things that God asks are rarely easy. They're pretty straightforward. We always say, boy, if I just knew God's will, I would do that. Let me cut to the chase for you this morning. Here is God's will. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love neighbor as yourself. There, you know his will. What's your response? That's the real question this morning. What are you going to do with that? What do you do with a God who loves you, with, who will never leave you, who will never forsake you? What do you do with a son who leaves the infinite cosmos to come down into the form of a baby and be unjustly tried, persecuted, hung on a cross in the most miserable death that you can imagine and shameful? What do you do with that? What do you do with a savior that hangs out with tax collectors and sinners and when questioned on it says, these are the people who need to hear? What do you do with that? What's your response? Depending on how we respond will depend on if his will is done on heaven and on earth. Now, here's the good news in all this. It's not up to us. As we sang earlier, the victory is already won. The war is already done. We live in victory. But we fight many battles in the meantime, do we not? If you're not fighting one, I bet you know someone who is. And if you're not fighting one, I bet you will. I, hate, I, I hope that's not a spoiler alert for anyone. But when you do, I want you to understand that there's a God who has already won. There's a God who gives us that spirit of power. Like that same thing that when Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he's not talking about being Superman. He's saying, I can endure because of God's presence, because of the God who has already won. I can get through this. And it's not just about getting through. It's about getting through in a way that shows Christ to the world. I can get through things, sure, but... Man, if I can get through things in a way that is a witness for God working in my life, how powerful is that? That's way better than me memorizing some rote script that's going to convince you that God is what you need in your life. Your lives, your response is the most attractive evangelism that you will have. If we're listening for God's word and giving him our response. So there's your formula, engineers. You're welcome. <laughs> but what do we do with this? All right, here's what we do with this. We need to figure out where we are. We need to figure out our starting point, and there are three general categories. There are probably more you could make up, but here's three things that I run across in most people that I meet. Number one, I want to respond to God's word, but I don't know God's word. That's okay. You're in the right place. So uh, the second one might be, well, I'm not sure what God is asking. Also okay. There's a lot of people that aren't sure what God's asking of them. Join the club, and let's commiserate. The third one is, I'm not responding to God's word. We'll get to that one in a minute. But let's break these down a little bit. I don't know God's word. Well, hey, we've got community groups. We get together all the time. 
I don't know about any other community groups uh, in, on a day-to-day -day basis, but I can tell you I'm a part of the men's community group. And every time we meet, I walk away with something new. Uh, no kidding. Because of the conversations that we have, because of the way that the Spirit lives and moves and breathes in us. And I'm not saying we're holier than thou. In fact, we're probably the most imperfect bunch of men you'll ever meet. But that's where you learn. That's what makes it real. And there are a variety of community groups. If you're not sure that you're a, you're a right fit for one, come and talk to us. Let's get you into one. If you say, yeah, I, I don't have other people that I do community group with, we'll find you some. You say, I'm uh, the youngest in my community group and there's nobody my age, let's make a new one. Let's get some new young people. I mean, younger people. <laughs> Whatever it is, take advantage of this. Get into the Bible and study it. If you want to know God, it's written down. It, here's the playbook right here. And I don't mean like I'm going to read a verse a day uh, or I'm just going to randomly subscribe to something that, yeah, I, I have to caveat this. I'm not against devotionals, but sometimes they're just all over the place and you don't connect the dots to who God is. This is why I say intentionally study the Bible. If you want to know God's word, intentionally study the Bible. And do it with some other people that you trust. That's how you know the word. So we take away that excuse. The second one, I'm not sure what God is asking. Well, <laughs> I wish God would be more clear sometimes. I honestly do. Because I'm often confused and, and left a little aimless. Like, you know, a little direction would be good here, God. How about a vector? And he's like, north. Like, that's kind of general, Right? So what do you do in the meantime? Well, you start walking north and you figure it out along the way. But you continue to pursue the answer. That's the point. Some people, I'm not really sure what God uh, is asking me, so I'm going to wait until he makes it crystal clear for me, absolutely no doubt. And about the fifth crystal clear clue that passes, you recognize that that is not their intent. Their intent is just to wait and push off what God is asking them to do. Why? Because it's not comfortable. It's going to be hard. It might make me ostracized with the people at school or at work. My family that doesn't believe might think I've gone off the deep end. It's not comfortable. Prayer, contemplation, meditation. The, the scripture is full of reminders to think about this day and night. Contemplate, meditate. Let it become a part of who you are. Not just in your head knowledge, but in your heart knowledge. In everything about you. So that the way you conduct your life, again, becomes that most powerful testimony that you have. As Christ lives in you, you will be different. We will be different. And finally, find some wise counsel. I say wise counsel. <laughs> There's lots of counsel out there, especially in the Internet age. You can find anything you want to support any opinion you want. But that's not necessarily wisdom. So be careful in who you put your trust in when it comes to counsel. The third one, I'm not responding to God's word again. I think a lot of people do that because they don't want to be uncomfortable. They like the comfort we do, that we've created. In this community in particular, how many people are really wanting for the basic necessities? Uh, we have it pretty good. If you're hungry, you go to the fridge. If you need to get somewhere, you hop in the car. You probably have a choice of cars to take. If you're worried about what to wear, uh, I bet there's never been a day that there wasn't something that you could put on and be adequately warm. And I'm with you in this. I'm not pointing my fingers this way. I'm, I'm including me in this. 
We don't really know what that means, to want that desperately. Are we seeking God's will? Well, see, I have a lot of ideas, and they don't always line up with what God wants me to do. And so there's a constant battle in my mind. This looks more efficient. This looks better. I know better. Just go ahead and complete that sentence, though, and you'll see how ludicrous this is. This looks better than God's plan. I know better than God. You see how quickly that falls apart. So I think it goes back to that comfort thing, but let me just ask you this. What are we waiting for? Are we waiting for that crystal clear invitation? Are we waiting until the world falls so deep into darkness that finally the light will shine? Now, that's going to be an uphill battle. Remember I mentioned earlier, the war is won, but the battles rage on. The longer that we are passive in seeking God's will, the worse those battles become. And not just for us, for the people around us, for the community that looks to us for the light, for the world that looks to us for the light of Christ. Where else are they going to find that? On the Internet? Social media? You can find it there, but again, back to the wise counsel thing, it's not all good. It's kind of our part in this. It's our response to this. So going back to the lottery idea, the way that we win is we don't scratch off the right numbers. We give it all to God and say, God, what would you have me do? And we scratch off his word, and then we respond to that. Again, a caveat. Did Bill just say, go play the lotto? (laughs) No, I did not, unless you donate that to the church. But <clears throat> did I say that? Did that come out? I didn't mean for that to, to come out. <clears throat> but that money is not going to buy you happiness. And I think if you've been around the, the, the world long enough, you know this. So words are my plea to us. So let's make 2024 a year where we dive into God's word. That's why we have a church called Word Serve. It's the most important thing. And we put it up front and first so that it would always be up front and first. Let that form, then, how we serve the world. And together, let's make 2024 the year where we all say this, Father, let it be done unto me according to your word. Will you pray with me, please? God, we thank you for the word that guides us, for the love that shows the way, for the life of your son, Jesus Christ, which perfectly put the law and the love together for us. God, when I think of Jesus' response to leave everything that he had, to be worshipped, to be infinitely powerful and, and know no boundaries, to come into this world as a poor baby, to be pursued all of his life, to be unjustly accused, hung on a cross. I can't imagine love so great. There's no other reason that he would do that. God, I'm thankful for that gift. And as I hear that word, as I hear your plan unfold, it makes me want to respond, not have to respond. God, my prayer is that if we're contemplating God's will, if we're wrestling against this idea of being comfortable versus the comfort of salvation, that you would remind us that you have everything we need, and in you we find everything we need. And sometimes, God, it takes us to a point where we don't know that until you're all that we have. God, my prayer is that we wouldn't wait, that we wouldn't hesitate, that we would jump in full, that we would discover your word, your will, your call, 
and that we would say simply, I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen.